Hello listeners, you are listening to another episode of Positivity on freshair.org.uk with me, Emily. You ran away to find something to say I went astray to make it okay And he made it easy, darling I'm still in love and I say that because I know how it seems between you and me It hasn't been easy, darling Positivity listeners, it is 2pm on the 21st of February and today I have a glorious show for you because February is LGBTQ plus history month. We're breaking from tradition today and instead of 10 news stories, I have slightly fewer stories that I want to explore in much more depth than on my previous shows. 
As usual though, on Positivity, I have a brilliant, brilliant array of songs for your ears, all of which are performed by LGBTQ plus artists. Without further ado, it's time to grab that cup of tea, sit back and enjoy the show. Time to switch off from the outside world. This show is here to celebrate all things LGBTQ plus with stories and songs for your delight. Grab a drink, grab a tea, grab an alcoholic beverage, depending on what time you're listening to the show. We're on freshair.org.uk from 2 to 3 p.m. every Sunday. The next song that I have for you now is one of my absolute favourites. This is by an artist called King Princess, and the song is called Cheap Queen. Enjoy. I've been alright. I've just been doing the same shit I've always liked. Smoking in movies and homies who bring me wine I've been going out too much And talking about myself too much oh, I can be good sometimes, I'm a cheap queen I can be what you like And I can be bad sometimes, I'm a real queen I can make grown men cry I can be good sometimes, I'm a cheap queen listeners that was our second song of the day we are now moving into story number one i hope you've had a nice tea i've probably had about 15 this morning already so i'll try and get through without having to go to the toilet because honestly tea does something to me i think it's a diuretic is that it i think that's the word it basically makes you go to the toilet and um it's only going to get worse you know genetically speaking my need for the toilet is only going to get worse and tea is not going to help that but am i going to stop no i am not 
just a little bit of light-hearted conversation about the toilet before we move into our show today. This is story number one. And that's what happens when I choose to go off script. Um, you get to know the ins and outs of how much I need the toilet, depending on how much I've drank of tea that day. You're welcome. Story number one, guys. The Chief of the Secret Intelligence Service, also known as MI6, has publicly apologised for its historic treatment of LGBT people. And Richard Moore has said the security bar on LGBT staff until 1991 had been wrong, unjust and discriminatory. In a video posted on Twitter 30 years after the ban was lifted, he said it also has been counterproductive. He says the MI6 deprived ourselves of some of the best talent Britain could have to offer. The MI6 chief chose LGBT History Month to offer both thanks and condolences to those who were wronged by the ban. Same-sex relationships were decriminalised in Britain in 1967, but it took a further 24 years before the ban on hiring LGBT staff across the government was listed. In a tweet, Richard Moore stated, Marking the 30-year anniversary of lifting the vetting bar to LGBT plus employees in intelligence agencies in 1991, I apologise on behalf of MI6 for the way LGBT plus colleagues and fellow citizens were treated and express my regret for everyone whose lives were affected. I remember when I came out actually and my parents were really worried about if I'd be able to secure a job because of my sexuality and to me, I don't know, young, 18 years old and I was shocked. I was just like, well, if, you know, if someone's not gonna hire me because of my sexuality, then I don't wanna work there, thanks. And just maybe there was a little bit of naivety from myself with my lack of knowledge of the the world and how LGBTQ plus people had been discriminated against in the workplace for so many years that obviously like my parents had been aware of, although it hadn't directly affected them. And that was a worry for them, for me. And yeah, I, I just went ahead thinking that, well, if I don't want, they don't want to hire me, then I don't want to work there. But there was so much discrimination against LGBTQ plus people about where they could work, simply just to do with their sexual orientation. and. I, I look back and I hope that this is such a step forward for the community, but we still have so far to go in employment rights and LGBTQ plus rights in general. My next song for you now is uh, by artist Lil Nas X and his song Panini. Hey Panini, don't you be a meanie Thought you wanted me to go or why you trying to keep me teeny I, it's a dreamy, wished it on a genie I got fans finally, ain't you wanting them to see me I, I thought you want this for my life, for my life Said you wanted to see me thrive You lied, just said to me Don't you be a meanie Thought you wanted me to go Or why you tryna keep me teeny Now, now they need me Number one, no screaming No, yeah, you used to love me So what happened, what's the meaning? I, I thought you want this for my life For my life Said you wanted to see me thrive You lied Now when it's all done I get the upper hand And I need a big place Not another fan, but I I'ma need a sit down, don't mean to make the man 
need you to say to me what you want from me. Just say to me what you want from me. Welcome back to Positivity on this week's show, which is dedicated to LGBTQ plus History Month. That was Lil Nas X with his song Panini. You probably know him most famously for his song Old Town Road, but I'm not sure you might not have heard Panini. I really liked it. It's a really good song. If you like his, if you like Old Town Road, check out his other stuff as well because he has a real variety and like breadth to his music. Um, so hopefully that's a little insight into what more Lil Nas X has to offer. Story now is story number two. There was an there is an unbelievable taboo which surrounds openly gay athletes in professional sport. It's been something that's been talked about in the media a lot, especially over the last couple of years. And in the 101 year history of American football's NFL, no openly gay or bisexual athlete has ever featured in a regular season game, which in itself is just staggering. Like it's outstanding that that still is the case. But there is hope and there is um, opportunity for this to change through an individual called Ryan Russell and he has a specific focus to change this for NFL football. His talents for American football were spotted at high school and in his hometown he stated that only two things mattered which were football and religion. During his time on campus when he moved away for a scholarship at university, Russell had his very first relationship with a man and he says in quotes, in college I thought, am I turning gay? And I now know that you don't just turn gay. There was an uncertainty that he had about his sexuality and it was put on hold when he was drafted for the Cowboys in 2015. And he adds to the quote that the NFL calls and I get that call from the Cowboys and I thought, well if I was turning gay, I need to stop that now. With no openly gay players in the league, there was a huge veil of uncertainty around what it might mean for his career. And the league was an opportunity to change not only his own life, but his family's as well, and pay back the sacrifices that his mother had made for him to pursue a career in football. However, after years of successful career in the NFL, Russell was sidelined with a shoulder injury in 2019, and he decided this was the perfect opportunity to come out as bisexual. He was confronted with the thought that he might never play football again due to his injury and his whole identity was, as he states, defined by football and he was therefore forced to reconsider his own happiness both inside and outside of his work. He started on a journey of self-love and self-discovery and he states, it's scary, daunting and paralysing but I've got to keep moving forward. I want to be the first but I never want to be the last was a quote that he told BBC Sports recently. He's now currently um, a free agent after having played for a number of teams and due to injury in 2019 took a step back from football um, to recover. He's looking for a new team and he hopes that he will therefore be, after he's come out, the first openly gay player in NFL history. If you want to find out more about Brian Russell's story, he wrote a really beautiful letter um, outlining the hardships and implications of being a closeted bisexual man in the NFL. He had to lie to a lot of his coaches, to all the players. There was only himself and a few 
close family members that knew his secret um, because of the worry of how that would impact his career moving forward. Um, it's a really beautiful letter and it's really worth reading if you just search through his name, Ryan Russell, um, you'll be able to find it online. It's definitely worth a bit of time putting into that. The next one I've got for you now is by an artist called Kim Petras and this is the song Heart to Break. Anytime that you like, come give my heart to break. Angel eyes, tell me lies, gonna give you my heart to break. I wanna look at you, I'm powerless, I feel my body saying yes, where's my self-control? Touch me, I'm a fool This game I know I'm gonna lose Makes me want you
Hello, you're listening to Positivity with me, Emily, this week on LGBTQ Plus History Month. That was Kim Petras with Heart to, Heart to Break, sorry. We're moving on to story number three. England and Wales gender question is, quoted, a good first step. There is now a voluntary question in the Census of 2021 survey which reads Is the gender you identify with the same as your sex registered at birth? And people over 16 can tick yes or they can tick no and then specify their gender. Now if you weren't, if you're not aware, the census is a count of all people and households in Wales and England which takes place every 10 years. Scotland's censorship runs separately um, and has been postponed by one year until March 2022 because of the corona pandemic at the moment. Now this census is the only exercise that provides a detailed snapshot of the whole population and it's unique because everybody in the country answers the questions about the same day, including things like who was in their house overnight, their jobs, education, ethnic background. The findings of the census ensure that local and central governments can use resources effectively for things such as housing, education, health and transport and it's compulsory to take part This will be online for the first time ever in 2021. Now, this passing of the question um, regarding gender uh, is the only, is really only the tip of the iceberg, sorry. There's been a huge push for the government to do more, including being able to put more than male, female on passports and moving towards legal gender self-ID. Also to allow those under the age of 16 to be able to actually answer this question. Now, the mayor-elect of Bangor, who called Owen, states that people begin to know their gender from way below the age of 16, so the fact this option won't be available and excludes trans and non-binary children is inherently discriminatory. Owen goes further to state that without accurate data on the size of the LGBTQ population at national and local levels, decision makers are operating without the understanding of the extent and nature of the disadvantage LGBTQ people may be experiencing in all sectors including health, employment, education and housing, which means that these local and national governments Will be, made, will be unable to design and monitor the effectiveness of policies designed to address these very issues. It's a step in the right direction and it's been welcomed by members of, and allies of the LGBTQ community when it comes to understanding LGBTQ population numbers. Um, but it really, this census only happens every 10 years and the fact that so much is based on the outcome of this census, including things like NHS resourcing, um, funding, education, areas of housing, development, etc. It really tries to get a complete slice of what the population looks like. And if that population doesn't include the large proportion of people who um, who are part of the LGBTQ plus community, then basically what they're stating is that all the policies moving forward won't, won't benefit, won't include, um, won't focus on benefits and the improved living conditions of this large proportion of the community and the argument about the under 16 point is that a lot of youths uh, are aware of their identity and their gender way before the age of 16 so if they can't attain and and click that option then there's a huge part of that community which goes unheard of which goes unsaid and I I can see that from not a trans perspective but from uh, an 
a sexuality perspective because I definitely knew that um, I wasn't straight way before the age of 16 but when it came to even clicking and selecting options on job applications or um, any census where you know afterwards it says please can you fill this in so that we can monitor our our inclusivity as part of a job offer there's sections under there which ask for your gender and your sexuality and I remember for years I would put straight as a sexuality choice because there was this like irrational now I understand irrational but fear that someone or somehow that information would be shared that that would go out and I was carrying such a large secret that I felt so uncomfortable um, giving it to an giving it anonymously to a, a, a robotic system because that information was then shared and was out there with the world I remember then I as I got older and I came to terms with my sexuality more and I was a bit more open about it I would click bisexual because it felt like a, a safe middle ground like I could still go back to defining myself straight if I felt that I wanted to um, not that I ever really did but mainly from pressures and external forces um, it kind of gave me that safe space and actually when I was reading the article on Ryan Russell he talked a lot about um, not he is bisexual he didn't really know about se- bise- about bisexuality sorry as an actual sexuality choice um, as an actual sexuality um, that you could that you could own that you could take a box and say I am bisexual he really understood bisexuality as a sort of transitioning period between straight and gay and that really it was for people that maybe weren't sure or that felt that it wasn't safe to sort of cross into being gay um, and that it was really just a sort of temporary option for this like middle ground and actually it's taken him a lot of time and self-reflection and understanding to be comfortable and accept that that is actually who he is um, because of the forces and and pressures that are put upon different labels and categories um, so to speak for sexuality which impacted how he saw himself which is so sad but that was our wrap-up of story number three. I'll now move on and play you a song just to break up the time I speak on the microphone so you can have a little pause. Um, next song for you. I'm going to choose a legendary artist. I've played her so many times and I couldn't play her enough, honestly. This is Janelle Monet, and I'm actually going to play a song I've played before on the radio, which I actually don't think I've ever done before. We're breaking many boundaries and barriers on this show. I'm going to play you Tightrope. The reason for that being is that it's the very first song I heard um, by Janelle Monet, and I really, really, really rate it as probably my favourite song that she's ever done. And if you haven't heard it before, because maybe you're new to positivity, then this is your opportunity to hear it for the first time. This is Janelle Monet with her song Tightrope. Monet and left foot. You can't. 
show, shut you down before we go, go backwards, act up, and whether we high or low, we gonna get back up like the Dow Jones and Nasdaq, sort of like a thong and an ass crack, come on. Fresh Air Radio on freshair.org.uk with me, Emily. This is my show, Positivity, and this week we're focusing on LGBTQ plus History Month. If you're listening to me pre-recorded but live on Fresh Air, we're going to be hitting about half two just now, which means we're about halfway through the show. This week I've deterred from the norm of the 10 positive news stories interjected with about 10 or 11 songs, um, depending on the show, but this week we're focusing on slightly less stories and in slightly more depth. So don't panic, just because we're on story number four doesn't mean that we're going to be doing a two-hour show, although I have done it before, because do you find it really hard to stop talking sometimes? Um, So thank you if you have listened to any of my over one-hour shows, but because we're now back on Fresh Air Radio, we're keeping to those one-hour slots, and we will wrap up at 3pm today. This is story number four. Brighton NHS Trust introduces new trans-friendly terms including chest feeding and birthing parent. The Brighton and Sussex University Hospital Trust is thought to be the first in the UK to adopt the language in internal communications and meetings. There has been a backlash about the use of this language including claims that it is an erasure of women but the trust has been really clear that this use of language adds a gender 
additive, sorry, I nearly said addictive, adds gender additive approach, which means using gender neutral language alongside the, the language of womanhood, which will ensure that everyone is represented and included. And I picked this story because I think it's really important because it focuses really specifically on our use of language. One of the things I'm really interested in through a lot of the work I've done in academia and work I've done more recently focusing on understanding literature is all about how language plays an, a really important part in society. Everything that we do, everything that we act on, everything that we obviously say or hear is built on language and it's really easy to think about it in, and sorry, it's really easy to not think about it because it's such a natural part of our usage. It's a part of how we say things, how we speak, who we are, and we've been taught it from birth. And what we need to understand and realise is the language that we use inherently carries with it issues from the past. Um, it allows for a continued heteronormative society and um, because there's language that we've just inherited but actually its formation, its understanding, its, its, its history is set within a past where it was used because the society was very specifically and underlyingly sexist. Um, so even the phrase, the sort of addition to a word that the phrase ness um so like lioness um waitress actress and the ess is actually derogatory it actually means lesser um and so actually when you think of it just in terms of waitress it's actually the we use it as the female but actually if you go back to the core of the meaning of the ess it actually is lesser it's it's smaller it's diminutive it, it it really puts the male side of that word as more powerful and more important and then the female is almost just the add-on it's like the lesser equivalent of that role which is a big part of why in for example a really popular and, and well heard of um, use of it is that actors both female and male so female actors are now rejecting the phrase actress because historically it means a lesser version and it's the actual just fundamental part of removing the s from actor all builds up to this larger picture and larger issue which includes things like uh, equal pay for gender which is a huge issue at the moment in uh, film and TV is about actors and actresses being actors um, and then what was then known as actresses being paid the same. So one of the big um, talking points recently was in The Crown where um, Claire Foy wasn't being paid the same as Matt Smith even though they were playing um, a collaborative part in a, in a pairing and actually arguably Claire Foy was, Claire Foy was playing the Queen um, of which the whole series of The Crown, although there's other important characters, the Queen is the person that we follow throughout the whole trajectory um, and focus of The Crown and yet was being paid less per episode than her male counterpart for arguably no reason at all. So yeah, although the, there has been backlash against the use of um, changing language in Brighton's NHS Trust, um, it actually goes towards a really important understanding that we need to change the actual way that we speak and the language that we use in order to challenge and fight against the 
underlying heteronormativity that just goes almost, I mean, without saying, pun intent, unintended, but it just goes without saying in our everyday life. And by using that continued language, we actually almost erase a large part of the community who can't find themselves within the language that we use. I'm gonna pause there before we hit story number five, and I'm going to move on to my next song. This is um, by artist Troy Savan. It also includes Casey Musgraves, who's, I really like her music. Her song, Follow Your Arrow, is um, a really great song. If you've not heard it, um, listen to it. She's a big ally in, of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, the song also features Mark Ronson, and it is called Easy. Enjoy. You ran away to find something to say I went astray to make it okay And he made it easy, darling I'm still in love and I say that because I know how it seems between you and me It hasn't been easy, darling
listening to me, Emily, with Positivity this week on Fresh Air Radio at freshair.org.uk. We are getting to the last parts of our sh- of the show today. Um, it's focused on LGBTQ+, as February is LGBTQ+, History Month. We're on to story number five. It's a Sin has helped Channel 4 streaming service to a record-breaking month. The series has had, so far, 6.5 million views on all four across its five episodes, according to the broadcaster. Written by Russell T. Davis and based on his experience as a young man in the 80s and 90s, the show is a masterpiece. It's heartbreaking, yet with a glorious, with glorious laugh-out-loud moments. It Im- explores the impacts of AIDS on the male population of Britain. And just a bit of information in case you weren't sure or aware of, of how HIV and AIDS uh, are interrelated. HIV left untreated develops into AIDS and there was no effective treatment available in the UK until 1997. So up until that point, HIV was a death sentence. Now the character of Jill was inspired by real life Jill Nalda, a childhood friend of Davies. And it was Nalda Davies states who actually inspired him to write the series. Nalda moved to London when she was 18 and lived with three friends in a flat they dubbed the Pink Palace, which if you've watched the programme is actually what they call the flat that they live in in London. And something that I actually only learnt today, well, today and yesterday when I was researching for the show, is that Nalda actually plays the mother of the character of Jill in the TV drama, which it is incredibly poignant. As soon as you hear that, it actually made the character of Jill and her mother and their relationship and the moments that they share even more and powerful because this woman was actually there and her, she is the living and breathing influence of the character whose mother she plays in the show. Davies used the hashtag, hashtag be more Jill and every Friday when an episode streamed, the hashtag started to trend. Nada states that it's a sin will make people realize how much times have changed. And, but that for her and everyone else who's watched it and made it, it's a sin is for them, for the brave boys that we lost. They were the trailblazers fighting on the front lines and we should never ever forget them. If you haven't watched It's a Sin, um, head over to Channel 4, watch it now. You will laugh, you will cry, but more importantly, you might learn something and you might see the way that HIV and AIDS wiped out part of a generation of young men and the scary, frightening aspect of the fact that there was no information about it. Jill really was someone who pioneered finding information about what was happening and spreading it because there was just there was just no focus on what was happening um, publicly, um, aside from it being something that was really, really negatively spoken about. Um, it almost came as a a chance for a community of people who had uh, actively fought against homosexuality. You know, homosexuality was um, criminalised in in the UK, and it almost came as a and it's explored and it's a sin that it's almost uh, a chance or a, a feeling for those people who backed the criminalisation of homosexuality to find sort of a justification of their actions. You know, they criminalised it, and now there was an. Uh, an illness and a virus that seemed to only target specifically gay men, which wasn't true. Now, Jill actually, the real Jill talks about the story in the article that I read of a woman that she met, a 60 year old woman who had three children whose husband had infected her um, with HIV, and then which developed into AIDS and then she died. And um, so it isn't just men who were impacted by it, but it was 
specifically gay men that, that seem to catch and spread the virus and so it's a just disheart it's so disheartening to to hear that really first-hand accounts through this amazing fictional narrative of how people used HIV as a form of support and backing of the criminalization and the beliefs they had which are incredibly um, negative towards the, the gay population so if you haven't seen it go and see it you'll laugh you'll cry and you'll probably watch it all in a day like I did because I just couldn't stop watching it moving on now to our next song I fittingly tried to choose this one because the it's by Years and Years and the main singer of Years and Years, Ollie, actually plays the main role in It's a Sin. Now this is Years and Years cover of a Pet Shop Boys song which is called It's a Sin. It's beautiful, um, it's hypnotic and glorious. I hope you enjoy it. This is Years and Years with their cover of It's a Sin. When I look back upon my life It's always with a sense of shame I've always been the one to blame For everything I long to do No matter when or where or who Has one thing in common too It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sin It's a sin I've ever done, everything I ever do, every place I've ever been, everywhere I'm going to, it's a sin. At school they taught me how to be, so pure in thought and word and deed, they didn't quite succeed. It's a sin It's a sin Everything I've ever done Everything I ever do Every place I've ever been Everywhere I'm going to It's a sin I've always been the one to blame It's a sin. 
Hello, you're listening to me, Emily, on Fresh Air Radio at freshair.org.uk. This is Positivity, and my week episode this week focuses on LGBTQ plus history month. That was years and years with their Pet Shop Boys cover of It's a Sin, and we're now moving on to my last story of the day. This is story number six. It's a tribute to the footballing, trailblazing, kick-like-a-mule Lily Parr, who drew 50,000 capacity crowds. She was not only a champion of the game, but openly gay with her partner, Mary. Now, unlike male homosexuality, lesbianism was actually never illegal in England. Um, the legislation was rejected um, for a reason which is highly comical, really, but um, it was rejected because of a fear that any attention would encourage women to explore homosexuality. So I'll just let that settle for you there to have a think about the fundamental understanding behind the legislation at the time. But for those reasons, um, female lesbianism was um, actually never illegal, though male homosexuality was criminalised in the UK. Now, in 1921, the Football Association FA banned female football players from playing on professional pitches, for in their words, quotes, the game of football is quite unsuitable for females and ought not to be encouraged. Now, this is a story of Lily Parr, who was born in 1905 and grew up in a deprived area of St. Helens, playing football and rugby with her brothers. As men left a fight in World War I, women took the spaces left by male workers and Parr took work in a munitions factory. During lunch breaks, the women kicked a football around and whilst the supervisors were initially suspicious, they realised that this could boost productivity and actually teams were formed. Now in 1919, Parr was 14 years old and playing for St Helens Ladies. In a game against the Dick Kerr Ladies, St Helens lost 6-1, but the opposition manager noticed Parr's skills and offered her a position on his team, a job in his factory and 10 shillings every time she played, plus a packet of Woodbine cigarettes, which at 14, she was just offered a job, which included a packet of cigarettes. In her first season, Parr scored 43 goals before she turned 16 and reportedly broke a male goalkeeper's arm as she tried to block a shot. Local newspapers heralded her as the best talent that they'd seen um, in football in Britain. On the 26th of December 1920, more than 50,000 people gathered inside Everton's Goodison Park Stadium to watch Dick Kerr ladies, with around 12,000 outside unable to get in. The team played 67 matches in 1921 whilst holding down full-time jobs and represented England in matches against Wales and Scotland, winning all of their international games. They also played charity games, raising money for charities including out-of-work miners who the working-class players felt a strong connection to. The FA responded, with their 1921 ruling against women playing football. It also barred FA members from officiating matches. Women's football had been tolerated during the war because it raised morale, but they had not expected its post-war popularity, one which was genuinely threatening to the male game. On the 5th of December, they declared football was unsuitable for females, and Parr's dream of becoming a professional footballer ended at the age of 16. The team continued to play and toured America, um, one of the things I really enjoyed about the article was it said that they challenged the um, Olympic sprinting team um, to a relay and won, so good on them. Um, the team was renamed the Preston Ladies in 1926 and now a qualified nurse, Parr became the captain in 1946, having scored 967 of the team's 3,022 goals and missing only five matches. Parr played the last game in August 1950, aged 45, retiring after the thrashing of Scotland 
winning 11-1 and scoring just under a thousand goals in her career. She died of cancer in 1978, aged 73, but she lived to see the FA overturn their decision to ban women playing on associate grounds in 1970, almost 50 years after it had been imposed. In 2008, the FA issued an apology for its treatment of female footballers. Pa's legacy as a footballer and an LGBTQ plus icon has grown since her death. The Lily Parr exhibition trophy was played between a was played between LGBTQ plus football teams from England, France, and the United States between 2007 and 2009. Parr was the first woman to be inducted into the English Football Hall of Fame, and a statue was built for her in 2019. She was the first female footballer to be commemorated with a statue. This article that I found on the BBC website states that the success of the women's game is a testament to Pa and those she played alongside. That's my final story for you today. We have just a couple of minutes left of the show. Thank you so much for listening this week. It's honestly been a pleasure to bring you all these stories from the LGBTQ plus community. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been great, honestly. Um, it's a joy to be a part of the community, but it's also a pleasure to talk about others in the community who have been trailblazing, leading from the forefront and determined to change the past, present and the future. Thank you for listening. I'll be back on your radio waves next same time next week, Sundays, 2 to 3 on freshair.org.uk. I'm going to leave you with a song now. This is one of my favourite songs of all time, genuinely. Um, I've listened to it probably countless times on all streaming services. I can't get enough of him. This is the amazing Jason Mraz with the beautiful song, I'm Yours. Thank you. See you next week. This is Positivity with Emily on Fresh Air Radio at freshair.org.uk. Well, you done done me and you bet I felt it I tried to beat you, but you're so hot that I melted I fell right through the cracks Now I'm trying to get back Before the cool done run out I'll be giving it my best It's nothing's gonna stop me but divine intervention I reckon it's again my turn To win some or learn some But I won't it's a arte, no more, no more It cannot wait, I'm yours to go.
And I laughed I guess what I'll be saying is There ain't no better reason To rid yourself of vanities And just go with the seasons It's what we aim to do Our name is our virtue But I won't hesitate No more, no more It cannot wait I'm yours Open up your mind See like me Bop of them, they're just 